Who the bloody hell's that? Should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. <coughs> Hello and welcome to chapter 126 of the Corona Diaries. I hope they're going to keep the noise down after that. It's got a bit lively now. It's, it's become it's a public space. Yeah. Oh well. Um, we're well, in. We're in the. Well, what's this? Not the foyer. Is it? We're in the restaurant. Restaurant. <sighs> we're in the Novotel. Yeah, we're in an Novotel. In, in a bit of it. In a public we, space. We've just ordered coffee. There's some debate about if we've got the right coffees. That's mine. We've both got spoons. <laughs> Oh, this is a bit higher. Would a flat, flat white be higher than I a cappuccino? I wouldn't expect it to be lower, you know. I don't expect mm. mine to be more dense mm. than yours. You should have more air in yours, shouldn't you? <sighs> Maybe because I've drank a bit. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to do that thing where we drink bits out to get the pitch difference so we can play something. No. We're in the Novotel. We're in the Novotel in Sheffield. They've not paid enough for that. And they haven't paid enough. No. We're in the Novotel in Sheffield. We're looking out over the side of Sheffield. It's quite nice, quite a few. It's a sunny day uh, yes. near the university. Um, and we're just going to ramble a bit because we yeah. haven't really got a plan, have we? No. You can see the cholera monument from my uh, room. Yeah. You can, yeah. I didn't even know there was a cholera well, monument. Well, I didn't until yesterday when my old mate Dave came and we had lunch. And uh, Dave's something of a... Um, what would be a polite word for Dave? He's a kind of an academic. He's a bit right. of a nerd. Right, okay. Um, and he, he knows. He was explaining to me where the rivers were that flowed underground in Sheffield. Right. Apparently there's two rivers that flow under the station. You know, but okay. it's all been paved over, over, but they're they're under, like, Victorian arches and all of that, brick arches. Um, and uh, he also pointed out that the the monument that looks a bit like the the Charing Cross or whatever on the on the green hill over there is the cholera monument, and that there was an outbreak of cholera in 1840. Uh, and I remember I only remember that date because my house was 1850, and I thought, oh, ten years before our house. So 1840, cholera in Sheffield, uh, monument on the hill, visible from room 211. Right, but you'll have left 2.11 by the time this goes out. Well, unless I can't get that door open. Because <laughs> giving, you, giving your room number out when you can't lock your door does seem a little bit... I mean, yeah. if I was devilish, I'd get this out this afternoon. If anybody wants a MacBook Pro, yeah. That's, that's the place to go for it. <laughs> have you got a working copy of Ableton on there? <laughs> no. Neither is mine. <laughs> a bit of an in-joke there. For some of us, but um, so we thought we'd get together and just do this here uh, because it's relatively close to where I live, so that's quite nice. Lovely. Um, and uh, anyway, you were you were saying to so your mate Dave. Dave. Now Dave, uh, he had a brother who was at school with me in uh, in Danham Grammar School in Doncaster, which was the technical grammar school. Uh, and Dave was three years older than uh, what was his brother called? I've forgotten his name because we called him Flumpy for reasons I don't know. Um, so I, 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 don't, I can't remember his real name. Is it Dave and Flumpy? Yeah, well, Flumpy's older brother, three years older, is, is Dave, who's a lovely man. And he, he ended up living completely opposite us in Wheatley Hills when I was in my teens. And he became uh, a firm chum, and he was always in and out of the house, like all our other chums, because my mum never locked the front door. It was always, you know, she'd get up in the morning and crane her head round the door and see who was asleep on the floor. It was that kind of house. Um, and he used to come over on a Sunday morning, and they used to do the NME crossword together. 
uh, my mum and Dave oh. every Sunday. It was a ritual. She'd, oh. she'd put the coffees on and they'd do the NME crossword. And between the two of them, they'd usually crack it because oh. they, they both had quite a lot of music. My mum was right into her music and Dave, Dave would know all the kind of more, you know, ex-members of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young who were either Crosby, Stills, Nash or Young, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can work that out, can't you? <laughs> if you're doing a crossword. <laughs> there aren't any ex-members of Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, Crosby, are there? Crosby, Stills, Nash, Young and Ringo. <laughs> ex-members of Crosby. <laughs> so uh, she, used to, she used to know, uh, you know, and who was the drummer in the Groundhogs, that kind right. of thing, you know. That was your mum? I never knew that. that and I still don't. Right. But yeah, between the two of them, they'd always have that nailed. Um, and so we go back a very, very long way, Dave and I, and he now lives in, off the Eccleshall Road. I do know the Eccles in, Road. Uh, that's over by, towards the moors, isn't it? That's it's on, the, on the road. It's a very nice road. It's yeah, yeah, one yeah. of the streets in Sheffield. Well, he lives just off there. And uh, so he came over yesterday and we went for lunch uh, around the corner. And we walked through that big glass arch of the... The Winter Gardens. The Winter Gardens, mm -hmm. which reminded me of Madrid Railway Station. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I don't know if you've been there, but that's like that. It's, yeah. all, it's got a European vibe, hasn't it? It's all sort of glass arches and trees inside Madrid Railway Station. Uh, and a very similar vibe altogether. Uh, so we went for lunch. Then we went to a pub that he wanted to visit uh, in the station in Sheffield. Yeah. Apparently there's some kind of microbrewery yeah, yeah. thing. Um, so we went and had a pint in there. And I tasted all, all of the different ales, which to my palate all tasted like they were connected to the same barrel. Um, and I had a pint. And then I came back and I sort of forbade myself any more socialising right. um, because my voice was a little bit croaky. I was a bit worried about it. Um, so I thought I'd better just not talk to anybody and stay put, do nothing. So I stayed put and do, did nothing. And Phil Brown texted and said he was going next door to the cinema to see this new David Bowie movie. Yes. Uh, and I said, I can't do it, mate. I'm just. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm self-isolating. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, I saw him later in the evening when I came down to get, get a glass of iced lime for me gin. Um, and he, he said, it's amazing. And uh, so now I'm full of regret for not having gone, enough. but I was just knackered. Uh, but he says it's fabulous and that you have to see it in the cinema because the soundtrack's fantastic. I forgot there's a cinema just next door. Um, yeah. Because you're right next door to the Lyceum Theatre as well. And the Crucible's just across the way. That's right, yeah, I saw that yesterday. So, yeah, I should have gone, really. Mm, you should, you should. I haven't, I haven't seen it yet, but I've... I've it, who was it? Jo Josephine Elliott went to see it the other night. Oh, did she? And she said she really enjoyed it. Yeah. But she's now come down with Covid, so whether she picked up Covid there, I haven't got a clue. Uh, Phil um, says it's fab mm. and must be done. Mm. Well, you've you're in, you're in. There's quite a lot going on actually around where you are. Mm. There's quite a lot. You're in a you're in a relatively good spot. I can't say this is one of my favourite hotels, but it's well positioned. Mm. Um, and this is quite a, a nice little bit. She's got the university over there, which is quite nice. I, I sent you in direction of a decent coffee shop yesterday, which uh, I had breakfast there this morning. Tampers Wheel. Tampers Wheel, which is a very strange name for a cafe. It's a very strange name for a cafe. But it's a good cafe. The food's fantastic. Yeah. The coffee's great. Just go. Just go. Just Tampers go, Wheel if people. you're in Sheffield. Yeah. Yes. And it's opposite Captivator with the people that ah. host this podcast. Mm -hmm. So I should have gone and poked my nose in and, and said hello, see if Mark was there. Um, but yes, all happening. So, come on then, how's the weekend been? How was Aylesbury? How was Stoke? Aylesbury was really good. It's a great room. Um, did we have any technical trouble? A little bit. I mean, Mark's done it again. He's gone and employed a system which just isn't quite up to the rigours that he demands of it. Um, and so we've spent the first half of this tour slowly trying to get the keyboard rig working. 
and it's nearly working now. We're, we're real close. I suspect that by the end of the tour, <laughs> by the time it, you don't need it anymore, it'll be perfect, and he'll redesign it. But um, when I say that, they're not huge ruin the show no. things. Uh, most people would never know any of it was going on, and. Um, the reaction response has been fantastic. The reviews that, that, that I've heard about, because as you know, I don't read them, but I've heard that the reviews have been great. Um, Aylesbury was good. The, ma the mayor of Aylesbury came because we did this thing at Aylesbury, care of uh, Andy Rotherham and Lucy. They, between them, they organized um, a collection for the Aylesbury Food Bank outside. And we filled two vans with food. Um, and we donated a few quid as well to uh, to it. So the mayor came on stage at the end in his chain of office, and uh, <laughs> made, made a bit of an ounce, took all the credit, as, as politicians will. <laughs> took all the credit, thanked everybody, and then uh, allowed me to wear his chain of office afterwards, which apparently they're not supposed to. Uh, so I've got a couple of photographs, but I'm not allowed to post them on social I mean, media, right. or he'll get fired. Right. But I, I did. I did wear the mayor's chain, which is another another, uh, another ambition realised. Um, and David Stops, bless him, who runs Friars and always did since way back. Uh, presented us with a cup that looks like the FA Cup for uh, God knows what I didn't read it but it was for something um, so he told me afterwards he thought it was amazing mm. he thought they were his you know he said that show was amazing well, um, I thought York was great and I mean I know a little bit about what's going on with the the bit of software that Mark's trying to make work and, <laughs> and to be fair to, to be f absolutely fair to Mark what he's expecting it to do technically is kind of what it says it will do mm. whether it was designed to be used by a band like Marillion I'm not quite sure yeah um, but but the kind of the broad brushstroke it should do what it's doing but I it didn't work its way through other than there's there was just a couple of quizzical looks amongst you all at a couple of points through the evening, yeah, I'm which not, you can't really hear. It's the same every night. I'm not going to say which song it is because then everybody will be We're waiting for it. for it. Yeah, but there is a, there is one just one dodgy place in it where where the whole thing tends to lurch a little bit, and uh, Ian throws his sticks in the air and <laughs> wants to kill the world um, and give up drumming. Um, but uh, fortunately, we got Lewis Jardine there to cheer him up again. Um, and Lewis has just been so lovely, so lovely, um, and so complimentary. Mm. He says he's got all the albums from script onwards. Can you believe that? No. I, I really can't believe <laughs> no, that. No. Um, but you're not going to disagree with him, are you? Well, no. I mean, why, he, why, why would you say it? Why would you say it, exactly? Yeah. But he says he's, he's got all the albums. And he's been a fan for years, he said. I thought he was tremendous. I was transfixed. I, in York, I was kind of transfixed by him. Yeah. He just does... I was telling you after... He does this thing with a, with a, with a bell. that He spins this bell round. And it's just mad. I, don't, I, I still don't understand why he does it. But it's, it's a thing of beauty. That is the bell that starts Slave to the Rhythm. Yeah. That is the bell. The bell. Doing what it does. Yeah. And he, I mean, we've, we've heard so many stories from him. Did I, did I, was that going on about this last week? We made a point of not putting them on. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, none of the, for purposes no, of... Well, a lot of them are unrepeatable, but... <laughs> slander. But, but and also because we're going to get him on. Yeah, but there's a, I've got to tell a story Go about then. the Slave to the Rhythm bass guitar. Have I, have I told you oh, that? Oh, you've, you've done that one. The 52 oh, the, Fender. Oh, no, 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 no. You've done, you've done the hi-hat, haven't you? Where he sang the hi-hat. Yeah, yeah, where Trevor decided that, that Lewis going had a better feel than anyone playing a hi-hat. I'm playing hi-hat, No, Lewis played bass on Slave to the Rhythm. And he used a 1952 Fender Precision. So worth a few quid then. Which um, belonged to Keith Richards. And right. when he was on tour doing the Voodoo Lounge with the Stones, in all, on his spare time, he, he said Keith just had a room full of guitars. 
a room full of them and, and bases and everything. He said, this one particular base was this 52 Fender Precision. And he said, I used to sneak in and have a go on it all the time. And um, I think I think he I think he came in and rumbled me, you know, like, what are you doing? And oh, I'm just sorry, I'm just playing this bass. It's beautiful, blah blah blah. And at the end of the tour, one of the road crew appeared at his door. I think I think I'm telling the story correctly. And he said it was all wrapped up in red paper with a, a red bow. And he handed it to him, and he opened it, and it was this 52 Precision bass. And he said, I went running down the hotel room corridor and up and down the lift trying to find Keith's room so I could thank him. And he said, when I got to his door, there was just a card on the, on the outside of his door that said, Lewis, fuck off. <laughs> I've always loved Keith. I love him even more now. I just love him even more. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good story. Oh, Keith's just... He, he does this though. Keith does. Keith's the, the. He often appears, doesn't he? And he gives like he didn't he pay to have a cricket pavilion built or something. Did he? I would, just, it wouldn't he, surprise he, He's me. just you know. But oh, they're so rich. Though, those guys. precision. Aren't. That must be worth a fortune. I know. I mean, Leo Fender probably whittled that himself yeah. from a tree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, I mean, it's probably a bit of Leo's furniture. <laughs> yeah. It's probably a sideboard or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, wow. yeah, Lewis has got a lot of stories like, like that. I, I mean, I could sit here for hours. Oh. He told me about Bowie and Jagger doing uh, Dancing in Dance the, the Streets street. for Live Aid. And he was on that session as well. He was, I, mean, I mean, he's just Nina Simone. You're a big motherfucker, she said to him, and that was all she said. <laughs> And rightly James, so, Nina. James Brown. Rightly so. I haven't asked him about James Brown yet. Oh. I mean, he, legends. Legends if, if upon legends. If you haven't, if you're going to a show and you haven't been yet, so you've still got it to look forward to, just watch Lewis because it's yeah. just a joy. Yeah. Just an absolute joy. He's just, you know. He said to us as well in Aylesbury just before we went on. He said, to, "Who was it?" He said it to. It wasn't me, but somebody came and told me. He said, um, he said to them, now I can die. He said, I've always wanted to tour with this band. He said, I'm having the time of my life. I can drop dead tomorrow. Oh, oh that's lovely. lovely. Oh, yeah. So in that situation then, do you just, does he just do his thing? Do you just sit him down and go, whatever you think's right, Lewis? Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Because um, there's nowhere else to go than that, is there really? No, I mean, there's only one thing I've asked him to do and he keeps forgetting to do it anyway, <laughs> which is... Uh, That's the reason why you don't ask him. Annoying <laughs> anyway. So there's no point. There's no point. <laughs> I asked him to play a bit of tambourine and afraid of sunlight in this one spot saved me having to do it. Right. And then after three or four gigs, I realised he was still on congas or something. Right. So, so I, right. I'm, I'm shaking it myself. Right. Um, but no, he's, we're just leaving him to it. He, he did come in and play on the album, so for the most part, he's doing what he can remember doing on the album. Yeah, but I saw something backstage where you had a sheet of floaters. So you're clearly changing round of the songs after the album's been played. You clearly, and apologies if that's a spoiler, if you've not been and you don't know that they're playing all of the album, then apologies, you do now. You do now. But, but then you've got this piece of paper with a load of floaters on, so you're clearly changing the set round a bit every yeah. night and yeah. so you must be letting him go roam free on those yeah no he's just you know i mean what's what can i tell you i mean the guy's a legend uh there's there's a reason he's on every great record that was made in the last sort of 30 years uh and it's because he knows what he's doing he's got great taste he's got amazing feel he's got amazing technique and even if he was a pain in the ass to be around, it'd be worth it. Yeah. But he isn't. He's a joy to yeah. be around. So, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm certainly not going to be telling him what to do. No. Because whatever I ask him to do will be worse than what he would do he would if do I didn't ask. Yeah, yeah. I imagine. Yeah. You know. So what he's What he's really saying is that there shouldn't be any tambourine on a Friday sunlight. That's what he's really saying to you. I think he keeps forgetting. <laughs> <laughs> Which begs the question. Why did you feel the need to not play tambourine? Uh, was it that much of a strain? 
Um, well, only because I've sort of got guitar around my neck um, yes. and it always was a bit yes. of a rush yes. getting yes. from one to the other. Yes. I was um, being slightly flippant, but actually you are technically right. I'm being as he's sitting there, I thought, well, he could well, do, he can do that, that and I needn't bother. Yeah. Because I only used to play it because it needs it. Um, so, you know, in the old days when it was just the five of us, I would play it because it's, it's a necessary dynamic in the song at that point. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's still, I'm playing it anyway now, because, you know, and then I'm looking over my shoulder to see what he's doing, and if he's playing tambourine, then I'm stopping. Yeah. So, while we're on gigs, while we're on things to ask you then, have you got your little keyboard working yet? Yes and no. Um, the, the little keyboard that I had has, in fact, gone in a skip. The Bluetooth uh, one? The, the, the roly, spongy yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, you know. It's a groovy thing and all, but don't work. Doesn't work. Um, kept switching itself off for reasons unknown, and then uh, on certain nights, even when it stayed on, it wasn't transmitting or, or the receiver wasn't receiving it. So I think Bluetooth is not the way to go in a room full of people with iPhones. No. I think I think it just then must get blitzed out. It always worked. Worked. <laughs> I've got a bad back. <laughs> real, real life is going on around us. Real, real life is going on around us. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Bluetooth's not the way to go in a room full of people, we've discovered. So I've got this other one that uh, belongs to Mark that I think was 40 quid. Works perfectly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's on a cable now. We've yeah. we've run a USB cable uh, back to the back to the laptop, back to Nile World, right. and that's been fine. Right. So I'm doing that, but I'm a bit crestfallen because I liked the black spongy thing. Yeah, because you're running around with it. Well, yeah, but I wasn't. No. But even so, it wouldn't bloody work. No. Not to worry. If you've and, and a lot of people won't know who Rolly are, but Rolly produced these kind of weird keyboard things that are very, very tactile. They're great and they were really well received. Unfortunately, they never really sold. Um, yeah, I'm but, but they are interesting things in terms of how they're designed. So mm. I was interested, yeah, interesting you, you're using one of those. Did, a lot of people won't have realised you actually were playing a keyboard because it's so small. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I wanted. I, I just wanted to be... I didn't want to play at all, but then we realised there's just a couple of little things, a couple of little colours yeah. um, that need that need to happen. And yeah. Some of them are quite feely, and um, I wanted to do it for real. I didn't want it, you know, in, in a sequencer or anything like that. I was amazed how I didn't miss you playing the keyboard. I don't mean that in terms of the sound of it, in terms of you always felt like you'd always been a front man that stood at the front and worked the crowd, that you didn't have pauses in the show to sit behind the keyboard, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? You just seem to have gone straight into that at a microphone for pretty much all the gig kind of thing. I've, you know. Yeah, I, I, that's, that wasn't in any way difficult. I mean, I, I never used to sit down because I felt the need to escape centre stage. Uh, it was just just because some of the things we've done in the past have been very piano orientated, and 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 I have a certain feel that Mark doesn't have, you know, because um, Mark's more of a um, a synth player really. He started with synths and then worked his way to piano later. Whereas I started with pianos and worked my way to synths at some point. Mm. Um, and then I haven't played synths now for so long, I've kind of more or less forgotten how to program them. Um, put me in front of a mini Moog again now, you know, and I'm scratching my head for 20 minutes. Whereas before I, I would have had no trouble with it at all, but I've just forgotten how to do it. Um, so, and, and they're all, I mean, a lot of them are soft plugins now as well, and you, you end up faffing about with those. But um, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm comfortable at Centre Mark. You know, I've always been comfortable. I don't, think, I don't think it was more you. It was more the fact of every single time I've seen you, it's been there's been a keyboard set up, and you've you've moved between the two, and then you know saw you in York, 
that didn't happen at any point through the show. You're up front all the time, and it seemed the most normal thing in the world. I think it was more for the audience rather than for you. Um, that it just, I'd forgotten in one respect that you would nip off and play keyboards on certain things. Yeah. Um, well, it's mainly at the behest of, uh, of Jens, the lighting designer. He just, he wanted a cleaner looking stage. And now we've put Lewis between the two risers. Yeah. Then there's nowhere to put the piano that isn't kind of, that yeah, doesn't unbalance the, the look of it. The symmetry's great. Yeah. The symmetry now is great. And I have to say the lights were off the charts. That, yeah. those, those new bars that go at the front and that, that sort of then provide that kind of wall of light, they look, they look brilliant. Do they? The lighting show look really, really cool. I've yet to see it, obviously, because I'm, I'm at the wrong end of it. It's, but, but I'm hearing great comments it's coming back. Tim filming any of them? Don't know. No. It's a shame if that was missed because it's a nice. We, I think we might. Maybe we're live streaming the um, Odeon, in which case, yeah, it will be. Mm. Mm. I think the lights are really, really. I think everything about it's great. It sounds great. Everything. I really enjoy York, and, I've, and some of the stuff I've read, response seems to be the same. Everybody's been like blown away. Good. Absolutely blown away with Good. it all. Well, the new album went down very well, you know, when, when people first got hold of it and listened to it. And I think it's chimed with how everybody was feeling. And, um, and it, for whatever reason, it, it, it looks after itself live. The songs are, some songs just do, and others have to be beaten into submission. Like Easter's always looked after itself, whereas When I Meet God has always been been like knocking nails in. It's just been hard work and has needed a lot of uh, rehearsal and run, running through. And it's gradual, you know, we'll gradually get there, tighten up and sound great. But then other songs will just sound great as soon as you bang through them. You know? um, and this album is very much like that, that the songs just sound good. And I look forward to you know, when I look forward to care the whole night while I'm singing the rest of it. I know that's coming, you know, and I know it'll be incredible, you know, and magnificent. It's just a magnificent piece of music with a, uh, with, a, with, a with, with a load of words that needed saying, you know, and so, you know, Lewis says, Lewis just foams at the mouth about care. He says, it's incredible. He says, you should release it as a single. It's 12 minutes long, Lewis. But, uh, I mean, what the hell is a single anymore? Anyway? Well, and the, and the worst thing you could do with that would be to say, oh, you know what, we can, we can make it nine minutes, let's do that, and, and that would kill it. Yeah, I mean, it, no it needs point. every minute it's got. Um, and could you release it as a single? I don't see any reason why you couldn't. I don't know. I've, I've given up with the music business. I never understood it, and I still don't. The fact of the matter is, single nights had the impact. I mean, it's, it's clearly had the impact. Everybody talks about it. Mm. So, in, in that respect, it's done what it needed to. Mm. It's you know, okay. Is it? It's just another example of secret, isn't it? You're the, you're the, you're the best kept secret of the music industry, and that and that that's the thing that is the thing that doesn't seem to change. Um, no. No, but but. Um, you know, who cares? We're, we're in a, you know, Rothers was saying the other day, and I've said it myself before, that we are in a sweet spot, but, you know, where we're successful enough to do our thing. We're not constrained by, finance, by the business pressure to, to use this producer or that producer or make it a bit more like this because that's currently happening you know at radio man we haven't got any of that we're not so famous you know we're not in fleetwood Macland where where we're under we're trying to be in 10 places at once every hour of the day and we're all at each other's throats because we're all stressed out and knackered which is where you end up, if, if you're really riding a wave of success, you end up so stressed and so exploited um, that um, you end up splitting up, you end up having monstrous fights over nothing, or you end up on masses of drugs just to be able to do it, which leads you to having monstrous fights, and on it goes. So in that sense, we are in a, a sort of a sweet spot where 
if we were more successful, we'd probably have even less desire to make another record, yeah. you know. We'd just go sit with our feet up somewhere for a few years. And you're playing, and I mean like tonight, Sheffield City Hall's a really nice venue. Yeah. It's a really good room to play. Um, well, well, the City Hall was where I decided I wanted to do this. You know, I, I went there, saw Deep Purple and sat out there and just thought, this is it. This is, what the hell am I doing with my life? If this is what I should be doing, nothing's better than this. Um, so I'd better do it. And that was the, that really was the moment that, that flicked the switch for me. So to be back here, I've been back three or four times since, you know, to play. And um, it's always, you know, you get a little frisson and you think this is the place, you know, and here I am. And I've kind of made it, you know. And I, I sat out there in the stalls and thought, I'm going to make it. And uh, some, I'm only saying this because Dave said it to me yesterday. He said, he said, I remember being in the middle room in your house with you and you were tiddling about on the piano when you were about 18. And you looked me in the eye and said, Dave, I'm going to make it. And he said, and you have. Um, and uh, so that was kind of nice. That was sort of harking back to the days when I, I really had a fire in my belly and I was a bit of a pain in the arse. Uh, these days I'm a bit easier to live with. <laughs> Which point we'll stop and I'll go and ask Lynette for comments and then we'll rejoin. <laughs> in, my, in my humble opinion. <laughs> no, but it, I mean it is. It's a, I've never seen you play here. I'm really looking forward to tonight because this is one of my favourite venues. Uh, and part of that is from growing up around Sheffield, and part of it's because I just think it's a great venue. Yeah, I just I've always thought I've seen some great people play here. I have, um, you know, um, status quo, focus, Genesis, Lamb Lies Down on Broadway tour, uh, Selling England by the Pound tour, Foxtrot tour, Yes, Fragile tour, Tales from Topographic Oceans. Did I say focus? I did. Said focus. Uh, Uriah Heap. Uriah Heap. Deep Purple. Deep Purple. I saw them all at Sheffield City Hall. Um, so this was the place I used to come to to see. You know, you didn't really get decent bands in Donny. Although Ziggy Stardust did do it and I didn't go. No, but this was the one place on the circuit, wasn't it? When they got to a certain size, this is a place you kind of had to come if you wanted to go and see anybody. Um, and it is just such a lovely, lovely place. And I, I, I mean, you tell me, I always thought acoustically it sounded nice. Everybody I've seen there has always sounded great. I can't honestly remember, because no. it's been so many years since we've we've played here, but, but if anybody can squeeze a good sound out of it, Phil Brown Phil. can. Yeah. Um, what are we going to do about Diary this week? Are you going to... Uh... Oh, yes. Um, Let's have a look and see how long we've got. We've been going 33 minutes so far. Where am I tomorrow? I'm down in Brighton. I could, I could always read something down in Brighton. Right, well, in which case then, as we've now had that confirmed, this is, this, you're almost in the production meeting here, folks. Uh, we'll go to a bit of diary then. Let's go to a bit of diary, Ant. We're going to start a new year. Oh, yes, we're going to start a new year. We are. Yes, yes. Well, we'll talk a bit about that after, after we've done the reading. Okay. Two thousand and six. I guess I didn't feel much like keeping the diary for a while, so I'll sketch in a few details. In January, I rented a house next door to myself back in Charlton, so I could be close to the kids. I put my piano by the bed along with some recording equipment, so I could work at any time of night or day. Sophie and Niall could pop in and see me any time they chose, so I didn't have to abandon them which would have been torture for all three of us. It's weird to live next door to your ex-partner, but if you've got children, I would recommend it. It's not about you, it's about the kids. Although I had dreaded it, I found to my surprise that it was a relief to be living on my own. Not exactly a walk in the park, of course, but a relief nonetheless. I used to shout, Honey, I'm home, when I came home from the studio in the evening. 
It was an ironic reference to what I had lost, but it was also strangely comforting, a way of making the house less empty. I never made it to the Tom Hanks drawing a face on a football stage, though. One morning in January, just after my car had been stolen, but that never made it into the diary either, I received a wedding invitation from my Norwegian chum, John Arne Vilbo, guitarist and gazpacho, who was to marry his girl, Lisa, in the summer. I called him to thank him and say that I would be there, but would be coming alone. When he heard of my separation from Sue, he said, That's awful. You should come to Oslo as soon as possible and get drunk with us. It was a most appealing proposition, so I booked a flight, probably the same week, unconscious of the trauma of splitting up, followed by an appalling Christmas, and having just about arrived at some kind of inner peace. I looked at myself in the shaving mirror and said out loud, What you need now is to live like this for at least a year, quietly, alone. Write some songs. Try and find yourself. So a fortnight after that, I went to Oslo and fell in love with Lynetta, a Danish, stunningly beautiful girl, full of light and laughter, and possessed of a wicked sense of humour. She was a friend of Lena, the lovely partner of Gaspacho's lovely and balmy Thomas Anderson. She was in Oslo for the weekend, and at some point we were introduced. That was it. Just talking to her made me feel completely happy for the first time in many years. I was immediately smitten. Her own long-term relationship had recently ended and she was living alone in an apartment belonging to Copenhagen General Hospital where she worked. I figured she wouldn't be single for long. So I bit the bullet and asked her if she'd mind showing me Copenhagen sometime. She said she'd be delighted. It's a wonderful city and they do say it's the happiest city on earth. We met up a handful of times in Copenhagen and in London during the spring and spent hours on the phone as 2006 progressed towards summer. I took her DVDs of Morecambe and Wise and Tommy Cooper. She had trouble following what Tommy said, but everyone does. Saturday, 28th of May. Home, Lisbon. Went to Lisbon to make an appearance on a TV show. Left home around nine for Heathrow along the M40, occasionally glancing across at the other carriageway which was jammed with traffic and thinking, I'm glad I'm not going the other direction. Halfway to Heathrow as I approached High Wycombe, I realised I'd left my passport on the dressing table, turned round and joined the traffic jam I had been admiring crawled back home to my rented house next door at five miles an hour and retrieved said passport before heading once again to Heathrow. When I arrived I was so late for the flight that my only option was to park the car in the short-stay car park and run for it across the bridge into the terminal. It wasn't going to be cheap, but at least it's only for one day. Saturday, 29th of May. Lisbon, home. I'm sitting on the cold granite floor of a holding area in Lisbon Airport. Right now, it's 4.15 in the afternoon and we should have departed to Heathrow at 2.45. Around 2.30, we boarded the bus to the aircraft. It's hot here in Portugal today and the afternoon sun is beating down. The bus remained parked at the gate in the 30 degree heat long after it was packed with passengers. The sweltering heat shimmered up from the tarmac into the claustrophobic bus. Just as old ladies were beginning to expire, the thing finally assumed motion and took us to a TAP Portugal Airlines aircraft where we sat down already behind schedule. As I took my seat, I became immediately conscious, as I can't help but do, of the music playing in the cabin. Easy listening music with bad synthesizers backing a panpipe playing the lead vocal melody. Hey Jude was the chosen victim. It went round and round on a loop. After two minutes, I was twitching. 
Nothing happened for 15 minutes and then the pilot told us that there was a problem with one of the doors and that they were trying to fix it. 20 minutes after that, he told us that they couldn't and that we must change planes. It took a further 45 minutes of sitting on the plane, still enduring the worst panpipe music I have ever heard. In the end, I asked for it to be turned off and the air steward seemed most grateful for the request. There was a patter of applause and several passengers actually thanked me. Before TAP managed to arrange a bus to transport us back to the terminal. When we got there, they told us to go upstairs back to Terminal 19, where we had been two and a half hours ago. Upon trying to follow this instruction, it became apparent that we were no longer airside, even though we'd just got off a plane, and we must all put our belongings and ourselves through the security scanners all over again. So, I'm sitting here on the floor, while an entire plane load of people get partially undressed all over again and undergo all the security screening bollocks we've come to enjoy so much in the modern world, for a second time, and for no logical reason at all. Later. I'm now at gate 19, and it's approaching 5pm. There's still no sign of us being asked to board anything back to Heathrow. I flew from there yesterday and having almost missed the flight after the forgotten passport and the long queue on the M40, I had, of course, left my car in the incredibly expensive short-stay car park. This means that this delay is probably costing about £20 an hour in car parking alone. Later. It gets worse. While I was trying to negotiate security a second time, it turns out that half of the people from my flight were invited to board again. They left the terminal and got on a bus to another plane. After half of them had left, there was a snag, and everyone else was kept waiting in the terminal, including yours truly. Sometime later, they all came back up the stairs again, and one of them told me that the replacement aircraft has the same problem with the doors, because the weather is, quote, too hot, unquote. Don't know if this is worth any thought or discussion because it's patently a fib anyway. My guess is that they tried to board them back onto the same plane, which perhaps they thought they'd fixed. I would guess that it's still about 30 degrees outside, hot but completely normal for Portugal in the summer, so it's totally daft to suggest that the aeroplane doors can't handle such an ambient temperature. I wouldn't be surprised if I'm still in this airport at midnight, Nick Belshaw has invited me to the Dave Gilmore gig tonight at the Albert Hall. I was quite looking forward to seeing Nick and the show. Can't imagine I'll be in England till late, if at all. It's now ten past five and we've been invited to board the aircraft again. For some people this will be the third time they've tried. I will hang on and see what develops before I bother. At least I can get to the bar from here. Went to the bar and was amazed when I was sold a beer in a glass bottle, which I was then allowed to take to the gate. Having been cut to ribbons by a maniac wielding a broken glass at one point in my distant past, I'm more than a little aware of the destructive power of a glass bottle, deadlier in my opinion than a knife. And so the whole charade of repeated security scans became even more frustrating and demonstrably pointless. I sit at the gate eating an ice cream and drinking beer whilst writing all this down. Later. Well, around 5.45 we were invited to board a new plane. When I handed my passport to the official at the gate along with the laminated yellow pass we'd all been given when we came back the first time, the people who'd come back twice now had little green ones, I was told that the boarding pass was for Copenhagen and that I couldn't get on the plane. Where is the boarding pass for Heathrow, please? I said I don't know, and could she please have me arrested because a prison cell is probably preferable to any more of this nonsense. She said she couldn't arrest me because she's not a policeman. I said, well, go and get one then. And then she flicked through my passport some more 
and found the right boarding pass in there, so I was allowed back onto the bus and back to a plane where I assumed the same seat as before and exchanged knowing weary glances with all those around me while my finger hovered over the cabin attendant call button in readiness for the panpipe music. The plane took off at around 6pm and the flight to Heathrow was uneventful. Hurrah! However, we landed around 8.35 and then the aircraft stood still on the runway for about 15 minutes, much to everyone's further frustration. By this time, it really was the flight that would not end. We were eventually allocated a parking spot and we made our way from the plane while the TAP staff said bye and thanks somewhat apologetically. The passport control hall was absolutely packed and we queued for a further 15 minutes, snaking our way back and forth as we progressed towards England. By the time I got into the baggage hall, my pink suitcase was going round on the carousel. Well, that's something. Last time I flew from Lisbon, my bag didn't show up for three weeks. I made my way to the short-stay car park and was relieved of a large amount of money before climbing into the car around 9.30pm. The Albert Hall was no longer an option. By the time I got to London, it would be well past 10pm and I'd probably not be let in. As I drove along the M4, Nick B called to say, What happened to you then? I briefly outlined the afternoon's developments. That's a shame, said Nick. David Bowie's just got up and sang an impromptu encore. Oh well, as long as I haven't missed much. June. At the beginning of June, I moved out of the house next door to myself and rented a house in Islip, near Oxford. Lynetta quit her job in Copenhagen and moved in with me in England at the end of the month. It was a sunny day and we walked through the country lanes of Islip with champagne glasses, sipping and laughing. A dreamlike and treasured memory which began a new life for us both. And we're back. Oh, we try that again. Let's try again. And we're back. So is that person with the whoever's, whoever's emptying the dishwasher. And we're back. Oh, this is this is turning out to be the greatest one of these we've ever done. I wonder if I wonder if anybody can hear us. I don't, I don't, I don't care. It should I don't, be quite I, interesting. I don't care. We'll see what we'll see what we get. Um, we've started a new year on the diary, um, and we've we made the decision. Made a chapter. Made the decision to leave a couple of entries from. The previous year, unread. Yeah, the, the last couple of days that I'd, I'd written up from Paris, because uh, Paris was last, uh, I read a bit of Paris out, didn't I, in the last entry about the bus breaking down and everything. And then I got to Paris and it got, I mean, my worst fears sort of came to be uh, that, that uh, my, my lovely ex-wife, Dizzy Spelt, and I had finally got to that point where I think we'd had enough of each other. <laughs> She'd certainly had enough of me. Got to the same point this current government's just arriving at. <laughs> yeah. She'd certainly had enough of me. And, and you, you know, as I said, I'm, I'm wondering how much more of me and my music my wife can take. And uh, it, things came to a head in, in, in Paris. And I did write it down. And uh, it will appear you know, in the future, when the audio diaries are released, I will I will include it. But I thought it's too much of a downer to bring on a, a jolly thing like our podcast, and so well, I'll I'll save that for a, another medium and move on to the new year. Yes, which is why you've had a little bit of the new year. I'm not. We're not going to dwell on that simply because. Well, I haven't read it yet. I might have missed most of the year out, to be <laughs> honest, because I was I was on such a downer. I didn't write anything for ages. So I, I might be halfway through mm. the next year by the time I reappear. Yeah. Well, that's which all fine. But you'll get a bit of diary. We obviously just heard a bit of diary. We, we won't. We'll we'll come back to diary questions next week. Um, so what what's the plan for the rest of the day? You must need to tell me sound checking. Sound checking at four. Uh, but Jens wants a meeting before that, 
to try and decide exactly what we're going to do with the stage at Port Zilan next year, right. um, which in the first instance requires, I guess, us deciding how many people are going to be on stage because time's passing and we seem to be gathering folk. Uh, you know, we've now got a classical ensemble, a percussionist and, and a choir uh, in the mix. So it's a question of how many of those people we, we, we feel it will be practical um, to include at Port Zilan. In a perfect world, we'd have a lot of them, but I don't know if, if that's doable, either in terms of space or cost. But we'll, uh, Jens and I are going to have a little chat at half three today to try and hammer that down and I think he's also going to do his damnedest to persuade me not to play the piano again <laughs> but I might, I, might tell, I might tell him to sod off I'm not doing three shows without touching a piano well and that's that's very restrictive on set list if you've got three exactly. shows to think about. I don't think I don't think it'll work we can certainly cope with that one on one of the nights yeah. but, but but not on all three I don't think no well I, I imagine I mean and Before It's Dark seems to lend itself to you not playing piano. So if you did a show that the body of which was that, yeah. the backbone was that, then I guess you could look at that night. Yeah, you? well, that's kind of where we're at right yeah. now with this tour. Uh, but once we get into a, a whole Port Zealand weekend, then, um, you know, we, as you say, it would be too restrictive and we're bound to want to play stuff that, um, that I sit down and play piano on. We'll just have to work out where the hell to put the bloody thing. Well, particularly if you're going to. Well, I mean, he's put it in the roof. <laughs> well, now, now I'll now. just come. I'll come through a hole in the tent at the top and <laughs> you could climb do a back spinal out. tap, and you could drop down one the size of the. What's the guy in Snoopy that plays one? Yeah, yeah. Just well, I've been, channeling, about I've that been channeling him for years. Yeah. That, that's why it's practically on the floor. Yeah. So yeah, could, Schroeder. Schroeder. So you could do the old spinal tap thing and drop it down and it'd be like a foot and a half square. I should get the stripy shirt to go with it, Schroeder. <laughs> you absolutely should. <laughs> absolutely should. And a blonde wig. So does that mean that Lewis is just going to come along now whether you ask him or not? Now he's, now this has become the zenith of his career. Is he just going to turn up? I don't know. We'll, 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 have, to, we'll have to have a long, hard look at it and try and work out what we're going to do. But I... I mean, what I mean, do you do if he turns up with all his gear? You've got to let him on, haven't you? Well, we might have killed him before the end of this tour. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sincerely hoping we don't, but he has said a couple of times, you know, what a way to go, you know, if, if, if I snuff it now, I'm happy. Oh, I think that's brilliant. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I'm, I'm loving the fact he's, he's here. I just, it just seems to... And do you know what? You've always looked a happy band on stage, but you look really happy at the moment. Yeah. As a group. Yeah, we, we're getting on really well, the five of us at the moment. Um, we are. And, I mean, and he's just adding a, a little... A dimension. Yeah. I, I, we were chatting backstage after York, and unusually, for the times I've been backstage, it's not unusual for there to be one or two of you, but not all five of you. And you were all there, and, and there was a real... There was a real just, there was banter floating around, and it just felt really, it felt like the right place at the right time. Everybody yeah. just seemed to be really, you know, even when you were unpicking slight technical issues. We were doing it you with love. Yes, you weren't at each other's throats about no, it, were you? Nobody's really been at anybody's throat on this tour. It's been, it's been nice. You know, it was a really, really nice atmosphere to be around. And as I say, I've been, I've been in around backstage now what probably the last 10 12 years or so and it's unusual for you all to be not that not that there was ever any tension i don't mean that it was just like you're all there you were all you were all hanging out i think it's like there's waves in the air you know when when um, if you've been married to someone for 30 years the, the, you know gone through periods that were difficult and then you'll have come through it and gone, gone through really comfortable periods mm. where you were really happy with each, being around each other. And, and of course, there's five of us, so the dynamics are so much more complicated, but it is still a marriage. And it, we are 33 years down the yeah. line. I'm 33 years yeah. down the line. Some of the other boys are 40 years down the line. So that's longer than that's well it's certainly longer than my marriage lasted yeah. um and so 
it's, it's just natural that there'll be times when it'll be difficult and then you it's like the it's like there is a wave you know and you go into another phase and you're all really getting on mm. and that will probably change again at some point because it does go in waves but at the moment we're we're, we're really getting on well there's a good feeling in the band I think there's a feeling that every everybody's doing their best yeah. you know and so even if something ain't right it's not because people aren't trying no. you know nobody's letting anybody down no. um, and that's that's sort of universally respected in the band I think at, at the moment and that's I think that's helping because all anybody ever wants is to be respected yeah well it's, it certainly feels that way um, you know and it do you know what it feel it looked that way from the stage and then to be in a fortunate situation where you then you know experiencing it at first hand after the show it felt that way as as well so it's not it's not something that's a con it's not like a police tour where they might look like they like each other on stage and then all go in the separate directions when they walk off stage oh god yeah no they were dreadful by all accounts so I, well i told you i sat with andy and you know Asked him about his favourite favourite moments of guitar playing. Nothing I ever did with that fucking band. Okay, yes, then. See, time has mellowed that yes. feeling a bit. Yes. Which, actually, without wanting to pick out one person in particular, Rodgers seem, looks like he's having a great time at the moment. He, just, he? he just seems to, you know, it's a bit chariots of fire esque where he throws his head back, right. you know, and, and running a bit quicker. And he just seems to be loving what he's doing at the oh, moment. That's good. Just seems yeah. to be in his absolute element. Um, well, it is, he's got he's got a lot of good moments on this album as well. He's got a lot of chances to do his thing. And I nearly said show off, but I don't really mean that. I just mean do his thing. I he guess. doesn't really show off, does he? It, it all fits in. It's not. I wouldn't say Rodgers ever would be flash for the sake of being flash. No. I, 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 you know. No, but he does need, you know, when we're writing the songs, I think Mike is very conscious of giving Rother's chance to shine. Space to breathe. Song. Yeah, to do his thing. And I think if when that doesn't happen, they'll, they'll, they, there will come a point in the process where Rother's comes through the door and goes, I'm very worried about this. I'm very worried. We go. What's the matter? I'm very worried. I'm not playing. I'm not playing. We go. Whoa. Anyway, while we're getting on so well, I'll say no more. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but he is he is given chance to shine, and and of course he's such a great player that you you're shooting yourself in the foot if you don't give him that chance because you're wasting him. Yeah. I think um, I think actually it's one of the joys of the band and one of the joys of the material is that that's largely always got right. Those I on the other hand have been hustling them for a long instrumental for a very long time yeah. I've never got one. <laughs> Maybe your moment's coming, it's accordion, that's the reason you've been I, pitching the wrong I've instrument. I've had a nice long 20 minute break lads. <laughs> you really express yourself, oh no 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 no, I'd feel better if there was some singing on it. I, uh, I thought you might have said that. Well, look, we'll leave it there. And uh, I don't know where we'll be talking next week. Well, uh, who can say? Who can say? Oh, I'll be at home again. We'll be at home. We'll be back yeah, at normal, won't we? Back. Might try and pick up a driving album. Yes. Jesus. Yeah, where did we get to? Oh, I haven't got a clue now. <laughs> I haven't got a clue. Lost at sea, I think. I think we've got four tracks to go. Have we? That yeah, many? That many still. Oh, you were going to talk to Colin as well. You need to get on to. Oh, I will drop him a line, yeah. 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 So if yeah. we can't get. Find out if he's in the country. He, 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 he does tend to. He, uh, he splits his time between the UK, America, and I think somewhere in Spain now, but if he's around... Well, perhaps we need to go and find him in Spain. We can always Zoom him anyway, can't yeah, I we? we should go and find him in Spain yeah, for a few we'll go, days. Have a little... A little, little, yes. Exploratory... Yes. This is Fact-finding mission, that's what they call it. This is where we need a big podcasting giant to come in with a mega budget so we can say, yes, we'll talk to Colin, but only in Spain. <laughs> a big podcasting giant. It's not going to happen, is it? <laughs> I'm just trying to visualise such a person. <laughs> a big podcasting giant. Yeah, FIFA, whatever. 
<laughs> right, well, listen, have a good, have a good gig tonight. Uh, thank you. Uh, I've, I've got a voice. I will. And if oh. I haven't, I won't. You'll be, you'll be, you'll be, you'll be fine. And we will, uh, we will be back with you next week in something, well, without the background noise. Back in the, yes, something a bit more controlled. Controlled. <laughs> oh, well, from the audio sense, yeah. yeah. Toodaloo, people. Thanks for being purple. Thank you, Gary Ashworth. Chris Bromley. Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.